Hey guys, I'm the Philosopher and welcome to another episode of FGC Philosophy. This is where I use my skills as a competitive performance coach to help you level up inside and outside the virtual arena by conducting interviews and talking about topics that I feel need to be talked about within the FGC. Today, I have a very special guest. I'm super excited. This is somebody I wanted to talk to for a long time and I really enjoyed recording this episode because it was very surreal to talk to the person that I looked up to when it comes to commentating, to being a personality, to teaching people how to play fighting games. So I was super excited, super stoked to do this episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it so much. But first, I also have to talk about Patreon. Patreon is a website where you can help support the people that you like, the content creators and other people who you enjoy. For as little as a dollar a month, you can actually help them grow their channel, their content, whatever. If you go to patreon.com slash philosopher, you can go there and I would be greatly appreciative if you would go and check that out and consider supporting me. All that said, I appreciate you guys and thank you so much for tuning into FGC Philosophy and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of FGC Philosophy. I have a guest on the show that actually I, I created a list years ago uh, of people that I wanted to have on my show. And he was one of the people that I, I never thought I'd actually have on the show, but I'm very excited. This guy has been uh, everywhere within the FGC, a lot of Street Fighter content. He's been commentating for a long time, makes a lot of great YouTube content. He's one half of Ultra Chin, um, have an awesome YouTube channel. So if you haven't heard of this guy, uh, you need to learn about him, check him out. But uh, yeah, you know, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure, uh, I'm uh, I'm James Chen. I also go by Jay Chenzor, although nobody calls me that anymore. <laughs> like, it's actually longer to say that than my actual name. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I've been playing fighting games for 20 plus years now. I've been playing forever. And so um, I've always been interested in trying to help people understand and learn how to play fighting games. So I've kind of taken up a teaching role and that kind of naturally led from like FAQ writing back in the days and all that stuff like that. And it kind of led to a commentary. And so now I'm actually known for doing a lot of commentary for a lot of the, 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 the live broadcast for fighting games. I mean, Honestly, that's not something like back in the day we ever thought was even possible, you know, to be able to stream fighting games for audiences like that. But lo and behold, here we are. And, you know, one of the things that has come from that is a need for people to do commentary over the, the matches. And uh, that's something I got in very early on and have been doing now for, wow, like a good part of like seven years now. Hmm. Man, so... <laughs> where i mean obviously fighting games are awesome but where did this passion for for like teaching and educating come from um it, it was probably just because a lot of the times i was one of those kind of people that like to explore systems and figure out how things worked right so uh my first faq like my first big faq was an x-men children of the atoms faq because I started discovering all these crazy ways to like super jump cancel and go into air combos. And this was all brand new. No one was, everyone was playing it like Street Fighter at first. And so I started finding all these things and I started just figuring out the system. And, you know, I was someone who could articulate it well, like in text. And I was good at really understanding it from a person who didn't understand the game standpoint. So I was really thorough about explaining things. And so I started doing that, and um, just through time, I kept writing more FAQs about systems and stuff like that. And then I started writing, like, posts on the SRK forums, helping people. I would write, like, articles and things like that. And honestly, I mean, I just felt like fighting games are so great that everybody should be able to play them. And, you know, one of the reasons why we struggled through fighting games a long time ago is so that other people don't have to, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the, 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 the hope for it that we can teach it. Cause honestly, uh, fighting games are awesome, but they're also really hard. <laughs> they're really hard to play. And that's one of the trickiest things about it. And, and it's why, in my opinion, fighting games aren't as big as something like a league of legends is because fighting games are brutal. 
I've been going through this myself, even trying to learn games like Tekken and stuff like that. Like I have just been getting beat up and like, it's so easy to feel like you want to quit, but like the more resources out there for people to teach you, the better chances you have of succeeding and sticking with it. And so that's kind of the philosophy that I've always had with the fighting game community is that we will grow by getting more people interested and more people playing. And that requires uh, good teachers out there. Yeah, I think to kind of add on to that, you, you towards the end of that, you just said it, but uh, you know, good players and people who are interested in it, but also to me, I think that, I want to know your thoughts on this, but I think that some of the players that are already here also might need to learn some new skills outside of fighting games, which is teaching. Um, a lot of players have this uh, get good uh, arcade style, like beat you up a bunch of times until you get better mentality. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure you know that there's a method to teaching people. Like if you look at, you know, I've done martial arts, I use this analogy a lot, but I, I really think that fighting games like as a whole are a great analogy, a great comparison to chess and martial arts, which yeah. are both really strong disciplines. And um, if you look at it, you have a sensei in martial arts, you have, you know, a coach in boxing and they teach you these basic things, you know, and I'll try to compare the two, but you know, you have footsies and you have learning how to throw a punch, a kick, a, you know, different styles and right. you have to understand them and you have to understand the distance of them so you're you punch thousands literally thousands of times before you ever actually make contact with any other human being mm -hmm. um and we don't have that sort of structure within the fgc like we have tutorials and stuff like that but usually they're kind of weak we do have people like joe monday making content which is fantastic that i think is i don't want to say underrated but it's just not as well used as possible right. but um we don't have um, we have we do have coaches, you know, we do have Gutex and his service and I, I'm not sure all the details in there But I, I, I'm sure it's very individualized But there's no set structure of like how to efficiently learn a fighting game as a whole and then making it like You know kind of streamlined because I, I think there's efficient ways of learning you can learn no matter what you do But you know it how do we how do we speed that process up is what I'm getting at? Yeah, I mean well, uh just like recently in these struggles of mine trying to learn Tekken, you know, and I'm just like you know, I don't feel like there's as many good uh, educational content out there, not just for Tekken, but for all of fighting games. And everybody, and I've had people come up to me and they're like, well, just on, on social media and be like, hey, man, I learned by playing, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, why, why do everybody need all this hand-holding and stuff like that? And I'm like, you know, anything that you want to learn, we, like I said earlier, we learn so other people don't have to, right? So if you try to learn basketball, like someone's going to teach you proper shooting form, right? Like, you know, roll with the fingers, make sure you get the spin on the ball. And then tennis, like people, there's classes that teach you how to swing. Just like you're saying with boxing, you're going to throw a thousand punches before you even hit somebody. And I, 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 I understand it because I went through that period of time where you had to learn everything on the fly and get good in the arcades and everything like that. But we're in a different time. And like, we don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's too much of a sense of pride about that. I think where people are like, ah, I've learned this through the trenches. Like, I mean, if that's the case, then anything that we do, we might as well throw everybody in the trenches. Like, Oh, you're going to learn to drive a car. You have to build your car first. You know, like, right. <laughs> like yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with that mindset. I mean, like I said, that's kind of one of the reasons why I want to teach as much as I can is because I don't want other people to have to go through that kind of thing. And the faster people learn, the easier it is for people to learn, the more people we get to play. And who knows, one of those people who might get discouraged early on could turn out to be one of the greatest players. You know what I mean? Like someone actually proposed to me the question before is like, if someone is so discouraged early on by like negativity or like difficulty of the game, then that just means they're not tough enough to, to, to endure it, right? And I don't believe that at all because every human being only has so much time in their life for so many hobbies. And you could be on the verge of learning the guitar or playing fighting games. And if you're like, fighting games are too hard, you're gonna become this awesome guitar player, right? Whereas you could have been this awesome fighting game player, but it's just, it's not that they're not strong enough to learn it, it's that there are so many options and choices for people. And you're obviously gonna go away from the one that's not appealing, <laughs> right? So if you try to play fighting games, it's like, yeah, this is, this is not worth my time. I'm gonna go do something else, you know? 
like it's not because you're not strong enough to deal with fighting games it's because there just wasn't anything fun about it right so the better we can educate people the, the quicker they can learn and and realize that everybody goes through a lot of these growing pains um you know the better chances we have of people sticking around and becoming uh awesome fighting game players mm -hmm. yeah i i agree i think that like you kind of made me think about this, but it's it's funny because we have this, uh, as a whole, the FGC has a, a, a back-in-my-day kind of mentality, but we're a very young community. So it's, it's to me, it's kind of contradictory that we sort of have that. Like, um, mm -hmm. it's interesting because we are the outliers and the outcasts of society in some way, but yeah. we're slowly not becoming that anymore. Being a nerd is cool now, you know, Right. gaming is, is somewhat legitimate now. People, companies like Red Bull are, are paying, you know, good money to have us be spectated and to make sure that our events are, are well displayed. Um, but nonetheless, we still kind of have that that back in the day sort of thing. But <laughs> at the same time, we, we are becoming more legitimate, but it's like people aren't seeing the value of effective teaching yet. Yeah. Um, we're trying to do it the best that we can, and uh, maybe that's kind of like we're very, we're still very grassroots, so we're trying to learn how to teach, which is kind of funny. But, um, but yeah, I mean, one, we're I consider fighting games, the, the game itself, and the act of playing the game to be an art. Um, but I also consider it to be a profession because it's spectated, people pay to see it, people play to or pay to compete in it, so it's very much a profession. People are making money off of this. So, in every other walk of the world. We have business coaches um, in the daytime. That's 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 part yeah. of what I do in the nighttime. I, I coach, you know, gamers. But you know, why is that? That like a lot of us have that like get good mentality. I wonder yeah. how we can slowly get away from that and start to value like real education and actually understanding like what's your individual problem. Right. You know, what if what have you learned? What haven't you learned? And like, how are you doing? And all this other like the, the micro stuff, all the overwhelming sub skills that we have to learn in order to play a fighting game. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I definitely do the back in my day thing myself <laughs> a lot. It's hard not to, but, you know, I mean, most of it is just to put in perspective. Like I, I talk about, like a lot of people are really mad about Street Fighter V or they think MVCI, you know, is, is being a lazy design game and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, like when MVC2 came out, like that was like the laziest game ever, right? I mean, it was literally just a bunch of reused sprites, poorly animated. And like, it, it felt really ghetto at the time when it came out and became one of the greatest games. But, you know, see, that's the thing is like, I do a lot of back in my day stuff, but hopefully it's different, <laughs> you know, that it's more, you know, uh, perspective based, right? Like, cause people say Street Fighter V is not well balanced. And to me that I just laugh about that because if you look at like the games from a long time ago, like, go play some CVS one knockaroo, go play against the CVS one knockaroo and then come back and talk to me about balance, you know, <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of mindset that we do need to change. And, you know, I'm glad you talked about like that, the, the, the professional aspect of it too, because, you know, that's, that's kind of the goal. That's one of the goals of trying to grow this whole thing is it's not even like, I'm not in it to say like, I want everybody to make become billionaires, you know, like, basketball players but i mean there's definitely a talent here there's a talent for something that in my opinion is really awesome and if people can make that a career and not regret it in the future like that to me is the goal right because i'm so scared of there's always those stories like even in football right now like they say that you know the majority of players who make it into the nfl are like bankrupt within like five years after leaving yes. the nfl right and so, like, I don't want that kind of situation to happen with people who play fighting games because then you play fighting games, you stop because of a hand injury or because you met someone that you want to start a family with or all sorts of reasons you could stop playing, right? And you're not going to have anything to show for it on your resume. So, like, if we don't develop a proper scene, if we don't grow into a nice industry, as you, you know, as you can call it, where we can have coaches and analysts and you know people go into development and all sorts of things like that basically a, a place where the former players can be, continue to grow after they finish playing if we can't establish that i mean if we can establish that then i feel better because then people can come into this practice fighting games 
get good at them and then in the future actually have something to show for it you know mm, yes i you made some great points i'm going to probably throw a light at you in a second um <laughs> now i'll try to hit a couple of points and, and you can go with it uh, uh -huh. where you want to from there but yeah with with what you said um one of the concerns that a lot of people have is, is like the esports thing and to kind of put two points into one uh you know you talked about um a great point about players is that you know i fear my personal fear is that a lot of these players aren't going to have the skill set to manage themselves if they decide to not become a player or somehow they just can't or they retire right. and the reason and it's not completely this but like with the the football players and, and other athletes and actors they go bankrupt because they focus all their attention on what they're good at but they never uh, learn any other skills or surround mm -hmm. themselves with people who have the skills that they lack and i feel like we're kind of doing the same thing in the FGC. I mean, it's not exclusive to the FGC, but we don't have great skills outside of that for a lot of the players. You know, people like you, people like Gutex, they've learned how to make a business or, you know, make you know make a living right. in the community that they love. But a lot of people, you know, they don't sit down and read books about uh, person development. You know, they don't sit down and read books about how to manage their finances, how to invest, right. how to, you know, get a sponsor, but also make sure you get a good deal. All these other micro skills that, right that are part of the FGC or, or esports or competitive gaming, whatever you want to call it. Um, and at the same time, because we lack that as a whole, um, the other point that I want to hit is that, you know, basically I feel that the FGC fears esports because it won't be a for us, by us kind of community anymore. You know, we use the word grassroots, right. but um, I, I think that we have these big companies coming in and paying for all these things and we don't have the skill set to know what is and isn't a good deal, how to do it ourselves, how to, you know, we have Tom Can and stuff like that. So, right. you know, that that's kind of the thought that I'm having and that's the, like the worries that I have that I want to help avoid because I think that if we can learn to have these other skills, we can keep the grassroots feel, but also yeah. have the skill set to, to make it grow and have more people come into it and make more money. Right, and and you know, it's, 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 it's interesting too because I'm kind of in this weird position where it feels like I'm kind of pushing for the esportsification of the FGC, you know, because I talk about like making it an industry and growing and stuff like that. But like, even just as recent as maybe five years ago or so, I remember MLG was trying to get into the fighting game community and I was really against that. I was really like, no, I don't want them to, you know, come in and throw a bunch of money into the scene, et cetera, et cetera. Um, honestly, uh, the, re the reason why it's different to me now is my philosophy on this whole thing is we need to be more important to these organizations than they are to us, <laughs> you know, like, so with groups like Red Bull and ESL, like they're trying to get into the fighting game community because they know we're getting bigger and they want to, you know, oh, look, let's, let's, let's get in on this and stuff like that. But if it was the opposite and we're like, we need this to live then that's basically bad because then it's like living in your parents' house basically because, you know, when you're like 30 and you're living in your parents' house still and basically it's like our house, our rules. Like you still got to follow their rules, right? But if you're, if, if you can establish yourself as a scene strong enough that, you know, if another group comes along and goes like, hey, we want to do a project with you and you have to do it this way. That's completely antithetical to what the FTC stands for. Then the FTC has the ability to go, no, screw you and leave, <laughs> you know? And so that is kind of one of the important ways to keep the grassroots feel. You know, if we can establish ourselves, if something like Evo continues to be the driving force of how we grow, you know, and, you know, Evo still can establish the rules, make sure that, you know, we still maintain a lot of the, the, the grassroots that like, you know, pop-offs are still cool and all this stuff like that, you know, that to me is very important because it's tough. I, I honestly really would like to see us grow into a bigger kind of industry kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't want us to get too esportsified. You know what I mean? Like I, I think we could do it our own way. And I know people have probably heard me mention this example a billion times already. Um, but I, I always talk about inside the NBA on TNT. Like, I'm a big, ba I used to be a big basketball person until the Lakers started sucking. But <laughs> from, um, uh, inside the NBA is on TNT. They show it after all the Thursday uh, games, and they always have that, the wrap-up show. But, like, you have Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and Shaquille O'Neal, and, and Ernie Johnson, and they're just talking trash to each other. They're making memes all day. 
sometimes the game recap will show up and they're not even talking about the game and just making dumb jokes. Like they've managed to, to be professional, but keep a lot of what's true to their roots. You know what I mean? And I feel like we can do that. And, and so like if people came up to us and, and were like, okay, you need to clean everything up. You need to like start wearing sports jackets. And like, if they're forcing guys like Yikes to wear a shirt and tie, like, I don't want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I want out of the FGC. I want us to be true to ourselves and uh, maintain our personality as much as, because I mean, honestly, I think that's one of the most appealing things about the fighting game community is the personalities. The players are so cool. They're just out there and like everybody, you really get to learn a lot about them. And, and, and I want to make sure that that stays as like one of the core things about the fighting game community is that it's the personalities, the players that have these great personalities. And I don't ever want to like water them down or anything like that because I mean, I know I'm biased, but I think these people are all very awesome. <laughs> I, I don't know how to ask this question, but like you're, you're in the middle of it. You're, you're around these people. You observe them a lot more than anybody else. From my perspective, um, like, I, I like the analogy that you said. I've heard you talk about it a couple of times. I'm kind of glad that you said to get me thinking mm -hmm. again. But I've always felt like the FGC had like this, it has like this sheen of WWE to it. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like it, it's very entertaining. Uh -huh. um, I know you've talked about this a couple of times on, in, on Chinzord where there is a lot of toxicity in it yes. um, within the FGC. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's, exactly like the, the the sheen of wwe that is the cause of it but i think sometimes there's like a line that gets passed and sometimes it's kind of encouraged and yeah. I, I wonder how like it's complicated because for us it's a one-on-one -on -one game so we have like teams and clans mm -hmm. but we don't constantly practice camaraderie and teamwork because we, it's a one-on-one -on -one game <laughs> uh, so we don't have that same level of connection even though we still do because they're friends and family like it's it's right. it's still there but um, it's not like a practice. So um, I guess my question is, how can we keep that authenticity, but also get to the point to where um, we still do have that, that you know, the grassroots, the for us bias sort of style? Like how, what do you see us being able to, you know, how do we, how can we grow? Yeah, and what does that look like? I think I think we could. I mean, as long as the personality remains there. So the toxicity, it's interesting because like the toxicity is a completely, uh, different kind of thing, right? I mean, I don't even like it, It's weird because that kind of attitude where people are like weren't you from the arcade days? I mean like it's funny because even back in the arcade days. Yeah, they were like I'm I know even at UCLA, right? Like I played with guys that wouldn't talk to you that just like completely looked down at you until you started beating them and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, let's go hang out, you know, <laughs> like I mean, that's just kind of the way it was but that part is the important part. The, hey, let's go hang out part is kind of important because when we used to go to Southern Hills Golfland every week, we would play and we would want to beat the crap out of each other. You know, I mean, in game, of course. But afterwards, we all went to Denny's. We all went to Norm's. And, like, there would be, like, 15 of us sitting at this giant table. And it didn't matter. Like, it was always random who you ended up sitting next to, but it never mattered. Like, if I was sitting next to Vi, I would have this great conversation with him, or I'd be sitting next to Vissant, and I'd be having a great conversation with him, or I'd be sitting next to Madge, and I'd be having a great conversation with him. It was just like it never mattered. So even though there was this arcade mentality of get good and stuff, we were all still kind of comrades in a way. But for some other reason, this, this concept of, like, just being, like, completely, like, evil or something, like, kind of pervade through. So they're, like oh, well, you know, being a hater is part of the FGC kind of thing. And, you know, I, I don't really see it that way. But, I mean, to, to kind of get down into the core of it, however, um, the FGC is actually in one of the, is probably one of the toughest uh, competitive anything, video game, sport, whatever like that, to manage because of the fact that we have so many games. Like, you know, the League of Legends scenes is just League of Legends. You support League of Legends or you don't, right? <laughs> like, if you're, if you're a League of Legends fan, you don't. And, you know, largely Dota, League of Legends, Hero of the Storm, whatever, they're kind of separate from each other, right? Because, like, I don't feel like there's as much crossover between those scenes as 
as whereas like okay let me put it this way there's no event that you're going to go to that has league of legends hero of the storm and dota all playing in the same event right it just doesn't happen right but you go to a fighting game event and it's mortal Kombat. it's it's injustice it's marvel it's dragon ball it's street fighter it's tekken it's every game right and so what happens weirdly though is that you're basically kind of forcing a situation where people kind of have to get along and in just in just in general human nature is very you know is very um uh what's the word group clans like you know group oriented kind of thing and so yeah what ends up happening is a lot of the negativity comes from my game is the best your game sucks right i mean that's honestly where a lot of the negativity comes from and that's where a lot of the toxicity comes from one of the things that i'm always trying to preach is to appreciate all the games and you know one of the tough things right now is that Street Fighter V is king right now. That's very much losing its status right now because a lot of events, it's not the number one game anymore. And, and to me, that's a good thing. But like for a long time, Street Fighter was king and a lot of people would be angry about that. But, you know, my philosophy was that like if Street Fighter V keeps growing and gets us on ESPN and does all that stuff, it only opens the door for the other games. You know what I mean? It's the whole rising tide lifts all boats kind of mentality that, you know, that, that I really, really think is important in the FGC. So really the toxicity isn't, you know, isn't the pop-offs. It isn't the, the, you know, the shit talking or whatever like that. Sorry if I, if I, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear or not, but, <laughs> but you know, a lot of that is, that's not what I consider the toxicity. What I consider the toxicity is the, you know, I hope this game fails or this game is pure garbage or, you know, like these kind of things, non-constructive things that a lot of people have gotten into. And, and the scene is really starting to promote that a lot. Like recently, I feel like a lot of the FGC has kind of fallen into this trap where, you know, they spend a lot of their time, like basically they spend more time putting down other games than promoting their own games. And, and I think that's a problem, right? It's, and, and I've had a lot of people since I've talked about the toxicity, you know, actually message me and be like, I tried to get my friends into fighting games and then they just saw how negative it was and they just didn't want to do it anymore, right? But I guarantee you if they saw the pop-offs or if they saw the trash talking and that stuff like that, that wouldn't make them stop. That would probably make them stay, you know, because that's that's the WWE stuff right there. That's the fun part of it. And so, uh, yeah, th there's a difference between, you know, the, the the kind of, you know, raw grassroots attitude and toxicity. Like, I, I don't I don't think that there some people equate them as the same thing. And I, I think that's where uh, a lot of the mistake is made. I think that's where a lot of the, the that line shouldn't be blurred you know what i mean that should be a distinct line between you know you know you know trash talking you know pop-offs that kind of attitude personalities is different than just being someone who's just really negative and just has nothing good to say you know most of the time yeah i think that's a i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up because again i'm from the outside looking in so it's hard for a person like me to separate those two things yeah. whereas you, you get to have this unique viewpoint where you get to see all of it uh be a part of it so it, it's good so i appreciate you actually clarifying that right. um so i you'll learn quickly that i like analogies and metaphors <laughs> because i think there's universal truths to things right uh -huh. um so i i, I want to know uh it's, it's related to what we're just talking about but i, I want to know uh what you think of this and it I'm going to try to minimize as much political talk as possible, but I think it's kind of relevant to what you just said. Right. And you kind of talk about like this, this polarization between different sides um, because, you know, every fighting game tournament is almost like a micro Olympic of fighting games. I, I think of Evo as the Olympics of fighting games because it's, you know, the Olympics have different games that you play, but right now in politics, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's hard to avoid it. It's hard to look at it, but you have all this extreme stuff going on. And you have, you know, you know, mainly the Democrats and Republicans and the people in the middle who just don't care. And right. you have all these people on both sides who are like wishing death on Trump or wishing death on black people or wishing death right. on, on like anyone who might agree with a neo-Nazi. And everyone's getting lumped into these extremist like, categories. Mm -hmm. And, and kind of like how I almost did with the whole, you know, WWE thing. I'm, I'm trying to lump things. I'm, I, one thing that also is a side note is I appreciate that you always admit 
if you if you're wrong, you always admit that. And I think that's that's something that's great. It's a little unrelated, but it's something that I think that's worth pointing out. But um, but yeah, I definitely see this like par- comparison where we do have this. We we have these extremes, and usually the out like the people on the extreme end, the radical end, or whatever you want to call it, they're always the loudest and the most vocal and <laughs> the most violent and the most negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they make it seem like everyone that might have a similar viewpoint to them are on the same side as them. And it's just like this, you know, a lot of negativity on both sides. And so it, mm-hmm. I, I think personally we need to start to come together, but it's easier said than done. Right. But you know, what do you think of that comparison? Yeah, I mean, no, it makes sense. I mean, because like a lot of the times that there's a lot of people out there, like it's interesting because Dragon Ball came out, was announced, and it was kind of like a shock. That was seriously like a, a, a megaton bomb dropped on the FGC because it came out of nowhere. No one knew about it, and it, it looks awesome. It <laughs> right? It's an amazing-looking game. And so what happened is that kind of created a, a rallying point to hate on Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, right? And I can understand where a lot of problems, if you have problems with Street Fighter V and, you know, the graphics, obviously, like we have the Chun face problem and like the Chun walking animation is just like, what are you guys doing, <laughs> right? But, you know, but now it's just to the point where I don't even know if they know why they hate the game anymore, you know? So it is kind of getting like that political atmosphere because, you know, L.I. Joe's like, oh my God, this game's so fun. And people are like, you're a shill, you know? And I'm like, oh, I think this game looks creative. You're a shill, James. Like, obviously you are saying that because Capcom pays you. And I'm like, I, I just think the game looks fun, right? And, and even, even to the point where, like, sometimes they'll, like, they'll, Capcom will put out a post, like, here's some updates to this, you know, here's some new information about these characters, and I'll retweet it. And I get someone replying, like, how about you make a good game for once? You know, I'm just like, like this is, like, a lot of effort that you're going through to, to, to get mad, you know, through social media at Capcom company Twitter, you know, and... I don't know, like, it's definitely gotten kind of to that point where I feel like some people hate certain things for no reason. It's it's kind of one of the things that I've been trying to, you know, personally trying to fight against just because, like, for a while, I was only streaming Street Fighter V. You know, I would just play Street Fighter V online uh, every week, trying to teach people how I approach the game and everything like that. I haven't played Street Fighter V online in, like, four months now on a stream i haven't played street fighter on a stream in like four months because outside of testing monot but like uh, outside of that i've only been streaming tekken injustice and guilty gear because i've been really trying hard to expand not only my understanding and horizons of all these games but for everybody who watches me as well i want to get them introduced to these other games to watch these other games because honestly it's crazy to me because, you know, I go to Evo and I watch the top eight and, you know, there's these people like, oh, man, Smash, I hate this game. It's so stupid. It's so boring to watch. Or like, oh, I hate Injustice. I don't know how to watch Injustice. And I'll even admit Tekken for the longest of time was nap time for me or dinner time for me. You know, every time Tekken top eight came on, it'd be like, well, let's go take my break, you know. And that, I, I like nowadays, like every fighting game I watch, I love watching it. Like, I just love watching every fighting game, and it's so exciting to me. And in, even, like, like Smash Brothers, I think, is super fascinating. I love the space control of Smash Brothers and just, like, like the, the, the philosophy. I mean, it sounds like bad Star Wars dialogue, but, like, philosophy of, like, high ground versus low ground and, you know, who has the center of the stage. Because there's always, like, phases where there's the neutral phase where they're both fighting, and then there's the recovery phase when someone gets knocked off one player has a distinct advantage and it's up to the person who's been knocked off the stage to figure out how to transition back safely to the neutral phase so they can start fighting neutral again. You know, there's just a lot of like really interesting space and strategy in that game. And I love it. I love watching it, you know, and, and having, and and I think you can appreciate all the games even without having to play them necessarily. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I hate watching Tekken. I hate watching Injustice. And, you know, the, the stream chat, resident sleepers all over the place, you know, whenever that's not the game they want to play or they hate Injustice zoning or, you know, something like that. But there's just like so much merit to all of it. And just because it's not the game that you play doesn't mean that you can't enjoy what you're seeing. You know what I mean? And, and, and 
it is gotten to almost kind of like that political point right now where it's just like you are just going to hate this game because you feel like you're supposed to. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and like, definitely, I, I've been where what you're talking about. Like, Killer Instinct was that game for me. Right. And, and like, <laughs> kind of on that same note, like, I think that ignorance is the fuel for hate. Um, a lot of people have this desire to not want to learn about the thing that they hate. Like, if you look at anyone that hates something, they probably only know certain facts about it that only fuel their hate more, and they don't mm -hmm. learn the parts that might make them understand it a little bit better. And I think it's impossible to hate a fighting game. Um, I think this applies to anything, but I think it's impossible to hate a fighting game if you really understand how the game works. Like, when I, once I understood what KI was, like, my friend, like, sat down and broke down to me, like, what the <laughs> hell was happening in KI? I was like, wow. This game is like a mashup of like MK and DOA and a little bit of Street Fighter. I love it. This is yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people don't leave that room to actually just try to understand it without like having their judgment at the front and center. I, right. I think if people try to just, you know, let go and try to learn a little bit rather than assuming they know everything or assuming that this game is bad because, you know, of whatever reason, just trying to understand it, they can at least appreciate it. Even if they never touch it, they can enjoy it and they can be happy for the people that do enjoy it. Right. It's funny, too, because, I mean, even back then, like I said, when I didn't have an appreciation for Tekken, because I literally didn't understand what was going on in the game. I didn't know why people attacked, why people didn't just run away. Like, how are you even supposed to block in this game? Like, nothing made sense to me in this game, and I didn't like it, and I didn't, I never played it. But anytime anyone asks me, like, oh, so you hate Tekken, or you think Tekken's a bad game? I'm like, I don't hate it, or I think, don't think it's a bad game at all, because I've never played it, so I can't make that judgment. You know what I mean? Like I never was ever, I never would come to a point where I would talk bad about Tekken or Soul Calibur just because I didn't understand how they played. I knew I didn't enjoy it, but I would never say anything negative about it. And again, see, there's a little, you know, very different uh, take than just, oh, you know what? I don't enjoy this, so it must suck, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Right. And it's... I, I wish a lot of people would think that way. And that's one of the things that I try to talk about and try to promote a lot. And I know it's really tough because that's just against human nature. But, you know, um, you know, I am in a position where I feel like I can try my best to promote that, you know. Um, so it's hard. It's hard because, honestly, I'm, I'm just a person, too, and I have tons of flaws, and I obviously have tons of biases and things like that, and I'm... I'm just as human as anybody else. So, you know, a lot of the times I try to do this and I get overly emotional, like during the uncensored episodes, like that got me into big giant social media arguments, you know, talking about Street Fighter and the future of FGC and how they're connected and everything. But like, and then I also like called out certain communities, you know, out of anger <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. So like, uh, you know, it, it's it's tough because I'm just an emotional kind of person. Uh, people know this. I mean, just recently, the most viral thing about me is raging at tech. And like, I, I like that's just how I am. And so it's a little tough. I, I definitely would never thrust myself into position of trying to become president because I know I would be capable of it. But, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's tough. I, I'm trying my best to do it. But like, I, I sometimes don't feel like I'm doing a particularly good job leading by example, but, you know, I, I will do my best uh, to try to promote that mindset because I think that's important. And, 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 and ironically, and the one thing that people won't listen to when I talked about the whole if Street Fighter dies, then the FTC dies kind of thing, that was one of the comments that was really inflammatory at one point in time. But like what a lot of people didn't understand what I was trying to get at is that we need Street Fighter V to succeed so that a game like Tekken or Injustice can surpass Street Fighter V. It's it's weird kind of like backwards thinking, but like fighting games are so small. We're still such a niche, right? Like nobody watches fighting games in the grand scheme of things. And the one game that can get us to that point where we could become more mainstream is Street Fighter because Street Fighter was a cultural phenomenon at some point it was probably almost as big as Pac-Man was back in the 80s. Like Street Fighter was almost like Pac-Man for the 90s in a, in a lot of ways. And uh, there's still a lot of burned in memory. People still remember Street Fighter because everyone in that generation had to play it at some point in time. There's like nobody you can talk to that's like, oh, I don't know what Street Fighter, I don't know who Chun-Li is, right? Like everybody knows Chun-Li. 
But if Street Fighter can get us to that point where fighting games are more mainstream, that opens the door for all the other games. And if Street Fighter continues to come out with versions that people don't enjoy after that point, then other companies are going to be like, well, you know what? The fighting game community is super cool, but Street Fighter is not doing so hot. What about these other games? And then all of a sudden Tekken becomes the big thing, or all of a sudden Injustice or Guilty Gear becomes the big thing. Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Fighters becomes the big thing. And Street Fighter is the one that's going to get. So I'm not, I'm not like sitting here saying like Street Fighter is the only game that should succeed. I'm saying that we need it to succeed right now so that other games can succeed, so that they can take over the FTC if necessary. If they're putting out better products, then by all means they should do it. But if they put out better products right now, it might not make as much of an impact. It might not make such a difference because the group of people who care about fighting games is still so infinitesimally small compared to everything else that people have are fans of, right? Even like when like BMX biking and skateboarding and all that stuff became X Games, X Games is still tiny. Like they, these guys still don't really make any money off of it. It's still such a niche thing. And so at this point in time, whatever's the most popular in X Games is probably the one that they want to promote the most, you know, and, and that's just how it works. And, and it's hard for people to see that. I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand that kind of mindset. And right. that's what I'm yeah. trying to get at. But all they hear is Street Fighter should succeed. And then I'm a Capcom chill. So, you know. I kind of want to try to elaborate on that to like maybe uh, reframe it, re rephrase it a little bit. Um, uh -huh. Because I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think I understand what where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. um, one, Street Fighter has been around for a long time, so it's a very established brand. But two, Street Fighter has a platform right now. Um, right. It, it has a platform not just within the FGC, but, you know, it's they have the Ely, you have the Red Bull, mm -hmm. uh, not the Red Bull, but the Proving Grounds. And right now, it's, it's kind of paving the way for us being able to grow. And it's mm -hmm. not so much, you, you can take the, the objectivity or the subjectivity out of the game, whether it's good or not. That, that doesn't even matter um, because I, I think what's going on is you have like the, like the way that you're phrasing it and because you're already well known, like you're basically saying that my team is better than your team. So like look at college football or look at like football. If you tell someone that their team is bad, it doesn't matter about stats. It doesn't matter about facts. It, you've insulted your team. That's it. Like I'm done listening to you. I'm shutting off my logic. Done. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you just look without, without, you know, it's hard for you to say it because again, they're going to see you as biased, but I, yeah. to, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that they have a platform and that they're doing all this stuff. And because of that, you know, once other games come out and if we are in that spotlight already, then yeah. those other great games then have an opportunity to really, you know, have that same growth as right. Street Fighter has and, and do that for the FGC. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's interesting because we have a Tekken World Tour, we have an Injustice Pro Series, you know, even KI had a World Cup you know, even though that one was organized more by the, 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 the scene than anything. But like all of those things, like it's hard to say, but in my opinion, a lot of those things would not have happened if Capcom didn't do the Capcom Pro Tour first. You know, because you do the Capcom Pro Tour, you see the kind of attention it brings. And not only that, but I think the most important thing about the Capcom Pro Tour is it creates storylines. You know, like we can talk about, oh, look at this player. Like I can talk about how two years ago, uh, you know, PR Rog semi-retired and then really tried to get in and couldn't make it and he burned himself out at the end of the year or like, you know, last year Infiltration was winning everything and now halfway through the year, it, like he started falling off. Like it, it creates this concept of storylines. And once you see that, it's so much easier as, you know, Parada or even, you know, anyone else just to go up to like the, the heads at Namco and like, this is what we need to do. And they'll be like, yes, let's do this. You know what I mean? Like Capcom kind of got us there first. I wonder if we would have an IPS or a Tekken World Tour if Capcom Pro Tour hadn't started. A lot of people would probably say, of course we would, James. You're an idiot. Like, no. But like people don't know about all the crazy internal politics that go on behind the scenes, right? Like if you don't see it as like if Capcom Pro Tour didn't exist, it just might not have been greenlit for a lot of other groups, you know? So yeah, I mean, their platform, they're paving the way for a lot of things. And I think that's super important because it establishes a precedent and uh, it'll help us grow. And we need that kind of uh, ability to do that. And unfortunately, 
like, I mean, like, honestly, the three franchises that have the best chance of getting us there, right? Uh, and a fourth one coming up. But the, the first one is Street Fighter, because like I said, it was a cultural phenomenon. Mortal Kombat, because it was also a cultural phenomenon. However, Mortal Kombat is super violent, so it's not getting on ESPN, right? <laughs> That's not gonna happen. Uh, Smash Brothers, because everybody knows Pikachu, everybody knows Mario, everyone knows Link. Uh, but again, that's Nintendo, and that's that's you know, and a lot of different IPs, and that's really tough. And now Dragon Ball, I think, has huge potential for that as well because everybody knows Dragon Ball. But again, it's tough because it's an IP. It's a it's an actual thing that Toriyama created, right? There's an actual creator. Whereas Street Fighter, it's like Capcom makes the game, they own the characters, anything they want to do with it like that, right? If Capcom's like, we want this to work, yes, use our character. Here's our artwork, you know? <laughs> for, for anything with an IP, I think it's a little bit tougher than that, but I still do think that Dragon Ball has the ability to, to uh, be one of those games that can get us to that next level. Um, but it's, 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 it, it, it does suck. I, I, don't, I don't like it as much as anybody else that I feel like only one game has that really great opportunity to get us there. I wish we had five games that had the ability to get us there, but from a logical, trying to be as objective as possible standpoint, you know, right now Street Fighter does have the best chance uh, to get us to that, uh, I don't wanna call it promised land, but to get us to that next level, basically. Yeah, and I, I think whether that's, I think it's right personally, but whether it's right or wrong, I, I think that trying to tear down a game that you don't like or even that you do like is not going to help us get us there any faster. <laughs> yeah. uh, so either way you look at it, supporting this game will help support your game. Yeah, um, people are going to be more likely to support you if you support them. Right. Uh, one thing. One thing that I will state, you know, like um, I know a lot of people are like, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to support Street Fighter Five so that they won't make this mistake with Street Fighter Six. I'm like, what makes you think that if you don't support this game that there will be a Street Fighter Six? You know, like, I just don't think it'll happen, right? If, if Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite doesn't sell well, there is no impetus for Marvel to ever let Capcom do anything with their franchise ever again, right? So, you know, but at the same time, I don't want people to blindly support it, which is why even during that whole thing where I'm like, no toxic, no toxicity, no negativity. Stay with your criticisms. Stay talking about what's wrong with Street Fighter V. I do that all the time. I've basically been very public about saying that, in my opinion, the biggest problem with Street Fighter V is it doesn't let you feel badass. Like, there's just nothing that you can do in that game that makes you feel like you're special, that you stand out. You know, and that's one of the biggest problems with the game. And I don't like the input buffer. Yeah, I Ken's face. I don't know what the hell. Like, I'm readily admitting all that stuff, but like, I'm doing it, trying to do it as constructively as possible. Like, really trying to point down to the core what the problem is, as opposed to this game sucks. I hope it dies. And to be honest with you, that's human nature. A lot of people say that, but in their heart, they really do care about it. And they're saying it because they do love Street Fighter. I just, the, the, the social media mentality makes it so that it's easier to be very negative and toxic because it's funnier and it stands out more. And but, you have anonymity. Yeah, and the anonymity, right? So, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I can at least get people to think about that and use their criticisms constructively. That's all. So. Yeah, I, I think that being cri uh, critical of something isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. When I send my videos to people or I send things that I write, I, I asked them, you know, what do you think of it? And, and don't tell me that you like it. Like, <laughs> if you liked it, tell me why you liked it, what you liked about it. If you didn't like it, tell me what you didn't like about it specifically so I can get better at mm -hmm. what it is I'm trying to do. And I, I think on one side, you're, you're hurting Capcom if you don't tell them what they're doing wrong. Right. On the other side, I think you're hurting them if you're trying to wish death upon them literally or on their IPs. Right. So, yes, be vocal. You know, I mean, you can talk with your wallet, if, but talk with with knowledge you know if, you, if you're not buying a game out of ignorance because everyone else is saying it's a bad game or you heard something and now you have this idea in your head that it's bad or they're trying to steal money from you right. try it first you know go in an arcade or, or go somewhere like a game lounge and play the game yeah. but yeah. um i kind of want to switch topics because we're running short on time and i i i think this is an interesting topic i haven't heard you talk about it 
Um, so hopefully it's something that you haven't mentioned yet, and maybe you can go more about it on Uncensored. Uh, well, it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. I'm hoping it's a good thing. But you, you, you talked, you, you seem very passionate about uh, how, how Asians are portrayed in, in media. Yes. Um, um, so I'm not going to talk about media specifically, but I kind of want to know about your experience with the contrast of, of the FGC and how like Asians are kind of perceived or portrayed in the FGC. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, one of the beautiful things about the FGC is that we're pretty colorblind in a lot of ways, you know? I mean, in fact, you know, when Vissant won Marvel in 2010 or 11, I forgot what it was, like the joke was like, oh my God, a white guy won an Evo event. You know, like, it, it, like we're, we're actually kind of, we're actually really, uh, I mean, gender is a problem in the FGC for sure. But ethnicity, I feel like we are a wonderful melting pot. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, the esportsification is the first time I've actually felt any sort of like wondering if Asians are going to get kind of the short end of the stick in that situation. But, you know, like uh, outside of that, like I feel like, yeah, ethnicity wise, eth ethnically, like we are almost colorblind. You know what I mean? Because, like, mm -hmm. I still remember a long time ago, um, there was a video a long time ago, back in the MVC2 days, during the, the, the supreme trash-talking days, right? And uh, there was this guy named Dark Prince, and, you know, he was really trash-talking. He was, he was, like, up-and-comer, and he was really aggressive about wanting to take everyone down and everything like that. And there's this video of him, like, sitting in, like, this bar, like a hookah bar or something, and you see they're drinking and smoking and, you know, like, he, he's, like, really trying to be, you know, as tough as possible, and the camera pans over, and there's, like, this white kid sitting next to him, and he looks like your typical nerd kind of kid, but, you know, he's part of the whole trash talking and everything like that. Like, honestly, like, the, the, the kind of, like, I'm not trying to play into stereotypes here or anything like that, but, like, you know, the FGC, I feel like it does break a lot of those stereotypes. You know, bringing up Vissant again, like, one of the most recent clips that kind of went viral was the him versus uh, low tier god thing that happened at Wednesday night fights that one time, right? And you know, it's like it's just there's there's the fighting game community really does feel fairly colorblind to me, and so like me being an Asian, I've never felt any sort of problems there. And you know, again, I'm biased because I am Asian, so I haven't necessarily seen myself any instances of where being white or black have really caused any problems for players. Um, they, I mean, I, I would rather let other people speak to that. I can't speak for them because I'm sure it's happened. I'm, I'm almost guaranteed that it's happened. But I mean, one interesting thing about the fighting game community is you look at like, who are some of our most important TOs, our leaders in the community? Tom and Tony Cannon, they're both black, right? And then uh, we have uh, Larry, uh, Larry Dixon, Shin Blanca, who runs Final Round, which is the longest fighting game tournament ever. And uh, he's black, right? Uh, Big E, same thing, running all the Philly tournaments like NEC. He's black as well. And so, you know, within our leadership, we have such a good diversity as well. And I think that plays into a large part of it. And, um, you know, within the leadership, we don't have enough women to be honest with you. And I think that's why there's still kind of a gender problem in the FGC, but that's being fixed little by little as well with, you know, very, very prominent figures like uh, like Persia, you know, coming out and becoming a very prominent figure in the FGC and stuff like that. So, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there for that. But in terms of just like uh, ethnicity, like I can't personally say I've really ever felt any sort of issues uh, with being Asian in, in, in the fighting game community at all. Yeah, and and similar similarly to that, uh, for me, and it, I love this quote. I'm gonna probably mess it up a little bit, but it's from a cartoon back in the day uh, called Static Shock. Um, okay. And this is a uh, he's talking to his friend Richie on the phone, and he's actually in Africa with his family, uh -huh. and he was saying that you know he was describing what it felt like living in Africa. He's like you know for all my life I've always felt like a like a black kid. For the mm -hmm. first time in my life, I feel like just a kid because he's, right. he's surrounded by people that, you know, don't care what color, you, you know, you have to be that color. But for me, it, it feels the same way in the FGC because yeah. I've always felt like a black kid. Um, I, people either, either that or people assume I'm mixed, which I am, but I'm not like black and white. But I, that doesn't matter. And, and <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it, for me as a black person, um, I've always had that sense, too. Like my, my color has never gave like I've lived in like five or six different states and I get different looks depending on where I am. And in the FGC, I don't 
get weird looks because I'm <laughs> six foot five or I'm a black dude or I'm super friendly or, or anything like that. They don't care. Like, right. uh, so it's it's really, really cool. I was kind of curious to know because I felt like there's a huge contrast. You know, you do have Hollywood. And uh, mm -hmm. I was hoping that would be your answer. <laughs> I didn't know what it was going to be, honestly. <laughs> but um, but no, I, I mean, I think it is great. And I do think that there there's also a lot of openness. I mean, because you have people who are, are furries. I mean, you do have some people who are going to make fun of them. But for the most part, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, Sonic Fox is a super cool dude. I've had the chance to meet him. Yeah. You know, you have um, transgender people, mm -hmm. and, and they're very well supported, and, and it's it's great that people can have that, that opportunity to come out and also empower other people to, to be themselves yeah. in this community. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, in the Sonic Fox case, like, I mean, if you want to make fun of him for being a furry or whatever like that, like, you've got some issues, because that guy is just talent, you know, coming out of his, his ears. I mean, literally, like, <laughs> that guy is so such a good player and not only that too but like whenever you see him lose he always hugs his opponent even after they beat him he's always super nice and like he's just like the super talented kid and uh you know i i, I have so much respect for that guy uh, in terms of the transgender stuff it's a little bit you know it's great because especially for someone like ricky ortiz right you know a lot of people support her very well but you know it does create this weird thing where it's just like oh if a girl is good as a fighting game oh is she a trap you know kind of thing and you know uh -huh. honestly that's kind of like an offensive term so you shouldn't even use it in the first place you know and you know there is a lot of problems with that you know just recently uh, a, 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 a girl player who was doing well at her locals you know had to deal with that she's like 15 years old and she had to deal with people like oh are you a trap you know like 15 year old you shouldn't have to deal with that kind of crap and and two it's just like why do you even want to why do you even care you know what i mean like why is this even a question that you even have to ask just you know appreciate their talent the skill that they have you know in these games and stuff like that so like i said the, the gender side of things despite having a few prominent transgendered players in our community like it's still a problem and you know in, and the worst part about it is you can see it too because whenever someone like Ricky Ortiz or Guilty come on stream and start playing, that's all the chat becomes is they just talk about that aspect. You know what I mean? It's, it's oh, like, wow. it's just like, that's what they talk about. And it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating in a, in a, in a way, you know, like right now, like if, uh, if uh, an Asian person or a black person comes on stream, no one brings that up. It's not like, Oh my God, a black guy, you know, like nobody does that. But like, if it's a girl's like, Oh girl, grill, you know, question mark, or, is this a trap, you know, and all these things like that. Like, that's still the, 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 the topic of conversation to people. And, you know, like I said, that's, that's going to take time to fix. I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully the, the hardest part is that it's difficult for women to get into fighting games because they have to deal with that. Right. So um, by, na by natural, like by natural weeding out of like, just like what I said before, it's like, if it's negative, you have so many other things that you would rather do. Like, why do you want to stick with this, right? And it's not because you're not tough enough. It's because there's a lot of cool things on the planet to do. And you're going to do the one that gives you the most joy. And so if you're a girl and you're trying to get into it, you love fighting games. And then you have to deal with people asking if you're a trap or, you know, being rude to you and stuff like that. You're going to go elsewhere. So by nature, by natural, the way that people act in the stream chats and in person and stuff like that, it's going to be harder to grow the number of women players in the FGC, which is why I, another thing that I talk about a lot is trying to promote, you know, being like, just promote, stop doing that, you know? <laughs> basically. So because then the more women that get into the community, it increases the chance for more or other women to get in there. You know what I mean? And eventually, hopefully we will get to that point where we don't have to talk about it, but you know, you look at other things like poker and stuff like that, and it's it's still kind of the same thing there, even though poker is a centuries-old kind of a pastime. But like on WSOP, it's always a big deal to say, like, this is the highest-playing girl in, in highest-placing highest girl in the, in the World Series of Poker, or here's this girl player, here's that girl player. They have all-women tournaments there and stuff like that. So, like, even stuff that have existed for a long time, it's still there. So, you know, like I said, I'd like it to change. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, but you know, hell if I don't try to do my best to try to be a positive voice about it, just to get people to think differently about it. And hopefully uh, the change can come 
I mean, if you told me we would be at this point where we were at the Mandalay Bay for Evo 10 years ago, I would have laughed in your face. You know what I mean? <laughs> so things can grow faster than I expected to. And if that could happen with, with this kind of situation, I would be more than thrilled about it. You and me both. Yeah. So a um, couple more questions, then I'll, I'll let you go. But um, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been, you've been making content and contributing to the FGC for a long time. And... There's a lot of people who want to do things like like what you're doing. Maybe not exactly the same way that you're doing it, but they want to do it their way. Uh, right. they, they don't know how to, to go about doing that. You know, what advice would you give someone who's trying to, you know, make make a name for themselves in the FTC or to contribute to the FTC? Uh, that's that's a tough one because I am lucky that I lived in Los Angeles area, so that's where uh, you have the benefit to do things like Wednesday Night Fights. That's where I got my commentary start, you know? So I just, I'm, I'm living in a particularly good area for that. You know, having said that, the only reason why Vi threw me on the mic at Wednesday Night Fights in the first place was because I wrote all those FAQs a long time ago, you know? So a lot of the times, uh, I, I've told people this before, you know, if you want to contribute to the FTC, it's actually shocking how many different ways you can do that. Because there are people who are, like, you know, guys like Ace King Asu, he, he just randomly said, you know what? No one makes these cool graphics that show the schedule of everything and the time zones of everything. So I'm just going to start putting those out. And now Ace King Asu is like the go-to guy for like schedules. Like, what's the schedule of this tournament? Go check his Twitter. You know, like there's so many ways to contribute. There's artists. There's people who are good at streaming. There are people who want to, you could write music for like people like, hey, here's this cool song, you know, like use this as your theme song. Uh, you know, Red Rapper did that for Evo. So like the theme song for Evo is like, uh, was made by Red Rapper. And, uh, you know, there's so many different ways to contribute. Basically, find what you enjoy, find your talent and, you know, see if you can make it work in the FTC and then just do it. Just do it. And if the work is good, people will notice guys like boss logic you know he started off by doing a bunch of like trying like taking real people and then like photoshopping them to look like street fighter characters so they look like realistic street fighter characters and it was really cool but he just kept doing that and eventually he started making trailers and now he's like actually a pretty like he's a i don't i wouldn't say he's like a big super famous artist guy but he's definitely well known and like he did a um, he did something with Guardians of the Galaxy and Entertainment Weekly even featured it in their magazine one time, you know. And, you know, things like that can happen. And, and, and there are so many different ways that you can contribute to the fighting game community. But, you know, one, it takes you doing it. But, you know, if you're an organizer and it's hard because you have no scene in your area, you know, travel to events, go up to TOs and just be like, hey, or like even you say you'd message them beforehand, hey, can I help run a bracket? Can I help do anything? Uh, one of my favorite stories to talk about is this, is a guy named Andres from Florida, AKA nothing XS. He has been going to Evo forever, 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 forever. And every time he went to Evo, he would show up on Thursday on the setup day and he would be like, what do you want me to do? And we'd be like, oh, help us put out the TVs, help us set up all the consoles or sure. One year we had to sit there and unscrew every PlayStation 2 controller and take out their batteries because of like the syncing problems and stuff like that. And nothing excess. Andres was like, yeah. And he just sat there and did that for like hours. And he's been doing that year after year at, at Evo, just basically just volunteering himself because he just wanted to help. Last year, he was the head TO. He was the TO who talked to all the TOs running all the individual games. So in other words, if the Smash TO had a question, they went to Andres and talked to him. He was, he's such an important person to Evo now, and he does so many important things for them. But that took maybe like over 10 years for him to get to that point, you know? But he just kept doing it. He just kept contributing it because it's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be helpful, and he wanted, and he, he's a smart guy. And so he was willing to do that kind of thing. And so, you know, if you just talk to a TO, you want to get in the TO, just let him know, I can come and help run a bracket. I can come help set up. Let me know what you want me to do. And just let him know. And, you know, you never know what will happen at that point in time. And, and, and honestly, consistency is always the best way to achieve anything, right? It's like you're not going to get into those positions by doing something great once. 
you're gonna do you're gonna get into that position by doing something consistently for like three years <laughs> you know <laughs> so so which is ironic because i'm mad because i suck at tekken and i know it should take me three years to get good at this game but that's a whole nother story but you know like uh that that's honestly one of the ways to do it is be consistent about it be genuine about it and and work hard work hard at it it's it, it is going to take hard work you know i wrote a hundred page cvs2 fat and that took me months you know <laughs> like and and lots of editing but that's the reason why i got on the commentary because it was something i wanted to do and i was passionate about and i did it and Vi put me on commentary and now here I am like seven years later and I'm like doing commentary for Evo on top eight, you know, and that's kind of how it all played out. I don't think I can add on to that. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, that said, um, I, well, thank you for joining me on the show. This has been yeah. enlightening, very great conversation. Uh, I, I've learned a lot. Um, but other than that, you know, Tell the people, you know, what do you have going on and where can they find you if they want to reach out or, or follow you? Sure. Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, my biggest presence is on Twitter. Uh, so that's at jchensor, which is just J-C-H-E-N-S-O-R. And that's going to be pretty much where you can find me on everything because it's a unique name. No one's stealing that from me unless they're specifically trying to steal my name. Um, but like on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash jchensor is also where I'm at. But you can also uh, find me on Twitter at UltraChenTV as well as twitch.tv slash UltraChenTV. That's where I do the Tuesday show with David. And, you know, sometimes we have Steve and Steve on there, although they've been very busy recently. So I don't blame them for not being able to make the past few weeks. Uh, but, um, yeah, UltraChenTV on YouTube as well is where most of my content ends up. But uh, my DMs are open in Twitter. So, you know, if anytime you want to ask me anything, I more than happy to talk to people like i mean sometimes i'll respond to people and they're like oh my god i can't believe you responded and i'm like dude i'm just i'm i'm just a guy who loves fighting games <laughs> <laughs> and honestly and honestly like you point to yourself like that but like we've been talking for an hour i mean god i could probably do this for even longer than that so anytime you want me back just say the word dude and i will find a time and we can chat some more you know, i'd be more than happy to <laughs> sounds awesome to me oh that this has been a, a great great conversation hopefully our viewers have enjoyed it um i will definitely have this uploaded very soon but yeah i want to <laughs> thank you again so much thank you guys for watching and of course i will see you guys in the next one